Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. It's good to see all of you. Pat crowd, 10,000 people. Uh, not really. I'm just doing that for the benefit of those who are on YouTube. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us, whether you're here uh, with plenty of room uh, or whether you're uh, at home uh, doing, uh, I think Angelo termed it, I'm going to steal that term, couch church, uh, doing couch church. Uh, we're glad you're here, however you've chosen to, to join us. Um, today's message is fun for me. Um, it, it, it gives a parenting moment. So for, for those of you who are parents, even if your kids are grown and gone, um, you get to join in with us. Jesus, we're in, in Luke chapter 2, by the way. You can flip there uh, if you want. If you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, if you go there, you can also go down to events and you can get the notes, our digital notes. Um, didn't touch them, sneeze on them or anything. So you have your digital notes there. And uh, even though it has the blanks filled in, I still would like for you to listen um, as we go along. But this is Luke chapter 2. It, it's, I love the Bible. It's so much fun. It doesn't candy coat anything. It doesn't, doesn't gloss over anything. And so th- this is, I don't know if I would call it a, a, a parenting fail uh, in the Bible, uh, but but if you're a parent, then then you'll probably be able to relate to this a, a little bit. Um, Luke is fun for me because Luke is a detail kind of guy. He goes into uh, a lot of the the details. Some of it we don't get through the other synoptic gospels, um, Matthew and, and Mark, even though they they go right along with each other. Luke will flesh some of these details out for us, and it's way cool that he does that. So here we are. If you'll remember, uh, last week we talked about. Um, that, that Joseph and Mary had, had gone to the temple. This was uh, like they were supposed to do. Uh, Jesus uh, went with them, and you've got Simeon, and you've got Anna, two interesting characters. Uh, we have interesting characters all around us. We even have a few in our church, uh, which is good. So both of these good, godly people, Simeon, God had told him through the Holy Spirit that he would not die till he saw the salvation of the Lord. And then Anna uh, had been a widow for many years. She married, as they normally did then, young. After seven years, her husband died. She was then 84. And, and, and so Anna was in the temple praying and fasting all the time. Both of them gave great confirmation about this child that was born, Jesus, the Savior, the salvation of Israel, uh, as Simeon called him, and then the redemption of Israel, as Anna called him. And so today, we're, we're picking up from there, in fact, right on the, the heels of that, and, and, and we're going into something that, that is really interesting. Um, l- let me just ask, this is confession time for parents. Um, if you're on YouTube, you, you can post this in, in the comments. Have you ever momentary, momentarily lost a kid? Has that ever happened? Um, it will. No, I'm kidding. Hillary was about three. We were in JCPenney because we only shop the upscale places. So we were in JCPenney's. And, and, you know, most of the time as parents, you've got your little kid, three-year-old like, like you guys. So you've got your little three-year-old with you, and you don't normally let go of their hand. But it's hard to look at clothes while you're doing that. And so somehow, Cynthia and I let go of Hillary's hand at the same time. We're looking at clothes. And, and this was before Amber Alerts were a thing. That didn't happen until a couple of years later. Amber is actually from Arlington, so right about the same age as Hillary. That's a whole other weird story. We had the police show up at our house during all that. But this time, we're, we're, we're looking at clothes. We've got her. We, we let go. We're looking. And I look down, and she's not there. And so I said, Cynthia, do you know where Hillary is? She goes, no. 
she was gone and we're you know, trying to be chill about it because you know new parents you don't want anyone yeah hey i lost my kid you know so hillary we're calling her we're calling her nothing we get a little bit louder we get to the place where we don't care what people think we're looking for a kid it's just about to the point that i'm going to go block the doors so no one gets out and cynthia is going to go talk with the manager and and we're frantic i mean we're talking heart pounding it was probably only three minutes it felt like three days you know and so we're there and and finally we hear this giggle like just like that and we part it's a circular clothes rack we part the clothes and there's hillary in the middle playing hide and seek panic we're talking you know my heart's pounding it's one of those moments that the first question you ask your kid is are you okay and then the second thing you say is, oh, no, you're not, <laughs> you know. And so I, I, I know for us that was that was just horror for three minutes or three days, however long it took for us to find her. Uh, so now I have another question. Have you ever left your kid somewhere? Anybody? You leave him somewhere? Um, I know you might have wanted to, but... I've heard stories of that where people are traveling and you're traveling in two cars and you get gas, they do the bathrooms. One person thinks they're in another car, the other person thinks they're in the other car and then they figure out quickly they're not. Hopefully the kid has a cell phone um, and they go back and get them. Well, here's Jesus and uh, I'm going to pick up, this is Luke chapter 2 verse 39 and, and pick up, this is right at the end of member Simeon and Anna. Uh, they had brought Jesus to the temple, which was the custom and and so um this is right on the heels of that here's what it says verse 39 and when they had performed everything according to the law of the lord that is after mary had gone through her days of purification with jesus they returned to galilee to their own town of nazareth and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of god was upon him i just want to read that because we we need to know that so jesus in this way we'll never fully understand was fully god he was fully man so jesus grew he he grew in wisdom and not only just in in a physical stature and then we get to verse 41 this is some time past about 12 years a little over or a little under i mean now his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover and when jesus was 12 they went up according to the custom and when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And this is where, if we were doing a melodrama, the sound effect would say, dun, dun, dun. Now, Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. There was nothing malicious about this. We would, we would have to assume that he just, he's a 12-year-old boy. I mean, he, he just was at, at the temple and, looked up and everybody's gone that happens to me at the grocery store all the time except he didn't have a phone to text so jesus was there at the next the next sentence says his parents didn't know it but supposing him to be in the group hey is jesus with you nah but i'm sure he's with uncle john or you know somebody uh, aunt elizabeth but supposing him to be in the group they went a day's journey but then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So picture this, though. We really need to get the idea. They went a day's journey. A day has gone by. 
And, and I, can, I can imagine how this would go. You know, I, I'm sure early on, you know, Mary said to Joseph, or Joseph said to Mary, is Jesus with you? No, nah, last time I saw him, he's, he's with Uncle Zechariah. You know, he's, so I, I'm sure he's you know, still with them. And, and, and they, they go along. They go the whole day. They don't worry at all. But, but you guys know how it is with kids. You, you get there, and you've got your nighttime routine. You know, you, you go get Simba, um, you know, the, the little thing, and you get their binky or blanky or, you know, whatever it is. So Jesus is 12. He didn't have those things. But he, you're getting ready. You're doing your, your nighttime routine. And so you go to Uncle Zechariah and Aunt Elizabeth. Hey, is Jesus with you guys? No, no, we, we haven't seen him like the whole trip. Uh-oh. You go over here. Have you seen Jesus? Have, they go through all that, and they realize it's the end of the day. It's dark. No streetlights. Jesus isn't here. I, I, don't, I don't even want to think what that must have felt like for Mary and Joseph. Now, it's not like today. It's not like they could say, oh, well, let's go back and get him. First of all, it's a day's journey. They, <laughs> they walked all day long. It's night. You don't travel at night when there's no streetlights. That, that's like one of the most dangerous things you could do. They would have had to wait till the next day. And I'm sure first light or almost light, you know, when you can see your hand in front of your face, they set out. They go back to Jerusalem. Took them a day to get back, remember? They're in Jerusalem. I don't know. They probably ask around a little bit that night. Again, you just don't do, you don't go out at night. That's when bad things happen. That's what my parents always said. And it's pretty true. The next day, they search all day for him. And then we see here in verse 45 and when i'm sorry this is 40 46 and after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers listening to that is the teachers to them asking questions and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers and when his parents saw him i can almost hear this in mary's voice when his parents saw him they were astonished. I would add, I don't want to add the scripture, but I know this happened and probably a little irritated. <laughs> He's in here. He's like talking to the, like the big rabbis, you know, the teachers. And, and his mother, Mary, said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Let me, let me translate this for you. Boy, <laughs> you had us worried sick. We've been looking for you for three days. Why'd you do this to us? I mean, can you imagine? Oh my goodness. And, and Jesus, I, I know this is totally innocent. He did not mean to cause his parents distress at all. Have you met a 12-year-old boy? He would, you know, they just don't, you know, and Jesus, we know, is different. He's all God, all man. I don't know how that works out, but... So, so Jesus, his response was priceless. I, I love what he says. This is verse 49. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? And, and, and I, I have trouble even saying that, I think, as innocently as he did. Um, but you, you, were, you were looking for me. Why? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And the next verse says, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Again, let me translate. They were speechless. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, 
we, we almost forgot who it is we're raising. This is God the Son. And, and so I, I just love that Jesus... It, I, I would imagine that we don't have that written here, but I would imagine that he's saying, you didn't look here first? I mean, the Son of God, where where would you go to look for him? In the temple, right? And it says here, and they went down with him, or he went down with them, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I love that. In fact, that, that's like one of our favorite passages uh, of all time. We love it with the kids. This is what we want for our children, isn't it? That they increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So before we, we head into it, uh, it's actually, I, 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 I said this in the first service because we had a hard deadline. We had to be ready for the second service, um, but it might worry you guys a little bit more. Um, this is actually like three messages that I'm going to preach today. Um, don't worry, we'll, we'll get to eat before dark. Um, but there's so much in here, I, didn't, I couldn't find any good way to separate. So let me just give you the big idea. Let me give you the main thing, uh, just in case you, you kind of zone a little bit at times. I, I don't get my feelings hurt. I, I watch that all the time, people's eyes glaze over, especially with 12-year-old little boys. But here's the big deal. When we walk with Jesus, we become like Jesus. You got that? When we walk with Jesus, we become like Jesus. That just happens. When we walk with him, we become like him. Uh, his disciples, I think that's the reason Jesus chose to do that the way he did. When you, when you walk with him, you become like him. This is 24-7, 365. The disciples were with Jesus for three years, three and a half years. So... So that should happen in our lives. We should be growing in our relationship with Jesus. We should be able to say, I am more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Okay? So, so that's the big idea. And actually, I meant to say that right in the very beginning. So if you zone from here on, that's what it is. But we need to know that, that, that there's a second part to that. If we walk like Jesus, we become like Jesus. But the second part of that would go this way. If we are not becoming like Jesus, then there's something wrong in our walk with Jesus. Does that make sense? So if, if at some point you realize, wait, wait, I'm not being changed or I'm, I'm regressing, I'm going the other way, then there's something wrong with our walk. Because if we walk like Jesus, we become like Jesus. And we see this, uh, this principle over and over and over in Scripture. One of my favorite passages is Romans 12, verse 2. It says this. Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, knowing that the testing that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the idea is that as our mind is renewed and we're going to talk about how we do that in a little bit, as our mind is renewed, that we're changed. And that word transformed is like the word we get from we get metamorphosis, right? So you're metamorphed. You, you actually change you're transformed. I, I like that word. That, that, that we're transformed, that we're by the renewing of our mind, we're changed. Second Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes this. And we all with unveil, unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I like that. Do you ever feel like the change in you is like really tiny and incremental? Do you ever feel that way sometimes? I, I know I do. 
He says, from one degree of glory to another. And here's the idea that I give this sometimes, that, that, that sometimes we might, if we were to ask ourselves, am I different today? Am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? We might have to go back a day or two. Now, there are times in my life where I'm like, okay, maybe it's a week. Maybe I have to think back a month. Sometimes I might have to say, okay, am I more like Jesus now than I was this time last year? Because the change is slow. It's incremental. But the point is that there should be change. We should be being changed. We should, we should become, be becoming more like Jesus. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All of those really help us to get the, the idea that in Christ, as we walk with Jesus, that we should be becoming like Jesus. It, it should just be happening. We should be growing. We, we shouldn't be the same. If we are, then we need to take a look at our walk. We need to see what's going on with our walk. Okay? Now, lest you get discouraged... Uh, let me quote to you again Romans 8:29, one, one of my encouraging passages, because sometimes if I'm really honest, I'll say, you know what? I don't know that there's been a lot of change. When I'm tired of dealing with that, I'm tired of tripping over that. I'm, I'm just ready to be done. So here's here's some encouragement for you. Paul writes in Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Get this. Here's what this is saying. That the work of making you like Jesus is God's work, and he will bring that to completion. Paul mentions that. That was our VBS memory verse this year. Paul will bring it to completion that when the work he began in you, he'll finish it. So, we should be changing we should be growing and and so for for parents let me just kind of give you this is the toy that comes with a happy meal this is the little message within a message here i want to give you three things and i totally stole this so i'm going to give credit for it that way it's not plagiarism andy stanley did a study called um, parental guidance um, required and you can look at it online it's really good i don't remember if it's a three or four series it might be four but in there, they talk about three vital relationships, parents, that we are responsible for, for our kids. So let me just give them to you real quick. You can go back and look at the study. We're going to do that again sometime here, so we'll, we'll make sure you know when we do it. I love it. I've done it like five times, and it just hits me every time. Here's the first one. Parents, you are responsible for your child's relationship with God. I, I know in this culture, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? That you are responsible for each child's relationship with Christ. Here's what people would say. No, no, no. I, they, they have to pick for themselves, don't they? They have to choose for themselves. They kind of have to find their own way. Now, now, what it's not saying is that our faith becomes their faith just naturally. But here's the biblical principle, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We see this. Is that we are responsible for teaching them to follow Christ. In Deuteronomy 6, it doesn't say it that way. But follow the commands and the statutes of the Lord. That we bear that responsibility. Parents, this will change the way that we deal with our kids. And I don't mean just kids that are home. I, I have a, a kid that's married that's almost 27. I have a kid that <laughs> went to college and they sent her back home. Now, like they did all the kids. She hates it when I say that. They didn't kick her out. Uh, she's going back. She'll be a junior this year. Dang. So anyways, 
When even when your kids are grown, our relationship changes a little bit with them. We are teacher when they're in our homes, when they're three. We're teacher. Whenever they they are adults, we move into the role like the Holy Spirit is for us, and we're helper with them. So just so you know, it changes, but it doesn't go away. But we are responsible for their relationship with the Lord. There's never a time in Scripture that I see when your child hits a certain age, parents, that you do this. You just throw your hands up and say, oh. Now, if you're like me, when they're little particularly, and you say, honey, don't run, you're going to fall. And they say, no, I'm not. I, at that moment, I wish there was a daddy button. Boom. When they're little and it's just a scraped knee, I, I'm not sadistic. But I'm not saying that we don't let them experience consequences, but we are always their parents. As long as we're alive and they're alive, we're going to be their parents. It changes. And we're responsible for their relationship, even when they're married, even when they have kids of their own. That's heavy, isn't it? Like parenting wasn't enough. <laughs> Your responsibility. So we won't dig into that a whole lot more. Join me with the study sometime, and, and we'll dig into that more. So here's the second one. So you're not only responsible for their relationship with the Lord, but parents, you're responsible for their relationship with you. You got that? Now, when they're young, it's not that big a deal. I find it interesting. Jesus was 12 in, in this story. Middle schoolers are weird. I, I don't know if you know that. They, and so they, they, they hit that teen or preteen age, and they push you away, and they pull away. And, and sometimes, and they even say things that are hurtful. I know that's amazing. You would never think that a teenager would say anything hurtful to their parents. Uh, yeah, they, you just don't have teenagers yet. That's why you didn't say anything. But parents, you're responsible for their relationship with you. You pursue that relationship. Always pursue reconciliation. I know this is amazing for some parents. You're going to find this out. Sometimes you're going to have like an argument with your kid. But you pursue relationship with them. You pursue, you're responsible for that relationship. Okay, the third one. Are you ready? Like that's not enough. Parents, you're responsible for your child's relationship with other people. You are responsible for your child's relationship with other people. Now, where the, what this looks like when the kids are little, a lot, is, oh, honey, you can't, you can't go over to their house. <laughs> you can't be friends with them. I said this to some, two parents a long time ago. It was like 10, 12 years ago, and I was shocked at their response because we're kind of talking about this, and I said, well, we would never tell our children who they have to be friends with. But we're going to be really quick to tell them who they cannot be friends with. And these two parents go, oh, you can't do that. I'm thinking Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise becomes wise, and a companion of fools suffers harm. You better do that. You better do that when they're little. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. I wouldn't hesitate to tell my grown kid, you know what? I really don't think you need to be hanging around those people. And we always think of the negative side, but think of the positive side. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. What that verse is saying, it just rubs off. We can, we can kind of... We can encourage them to have groups that are loving and supportive of believers. We can encourage them to go to Sunday school. When they're little, we can make them. <laughs> when they get grown, you know, you can, honey, I encourage you 
to go to Sunday school. We can encourage them to be involved in Bible study. We can do that by example, but we can be active and involved. Listen, your kids are going to give in to pressure. Why not let it be pressure from you <laughs> to do the right thing? Right? Okay, so there's your toy with a Happy Meal. Wind it up, go home, see how it works. Now the, the third message um, for us is really just the application. I, I want to help you guys. I, I, I love you and I care about you, uh, whether you're doing couch church <laughs> at, at home, or for those of you here, I, I love you and I care about you. And, and, and our stated mission here, this is our purpose, is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I want for everybody. I don't care if you met the Lord yesterday, if you're coming to faith in him right now, or if you've been walking with the Lord for 38 years like I have. Wow, I was two. No, I'm kidding. I was 15 if you want to do the math. But we want you to grow. I want you to look more like Jesus tomorrow than you do today. I want the same for me. And so let me just give you three things. Let me say, first of all, God does this work, which ought to be a relief. If you've been trying to change your heart and it's not working, there's a reason. It's because you can't change your heart. I can't change your heart. Listen, parents have tried this for centuries to change their kid's heart. We can't. God is the only one who can change your heart. So we know that, right? But there's some things we can do to, to, to really help facilitate that. If we follow God's principles, that allows him freedom with his word and his spirit to change your heart. So here's the first one. Get into God's word. I know you're like, eh, what else would you expect a pastor to say but to read your Bible? Get into God's word. Get into it. The, these words, he says in Deuteronomy 6, these laws, these statutes, they'll be on your heart. Let them get into your word. That means you can memorize scripture. I, um, Google, the best way to use Google for Bible study is when you say, isn't there a, a verse that says something about, I don't know, and you Google that and then leave it alone. And then go to some good, go to your Bible and some good Bible study commentaries. But we, we can do better than that. If we can get God's word into our, our mind, then it'll get into our heart. And then that's where, that's where it'll work itself out. So get into God's word. In your daily devotion, for me, that always tends to turn into a Bible study. So I have to be careful about that. But, but maybe you're going through, let's say, this, this story in Luke, Luke chapter 2. And, and, and so for me, a way that, Bible study too, I'll get to that in a minute, is good, but not everything needs to be a Bible study. Maybe I get to Luke chapter 2 and I say, you know what, God, help me to read this and listen to you while I'm reading it. I read Luke chapter 2, and my first thought is, boy, God, you sure do love me, don't you? <laughs> because I, I do things not innocently like Jesus did when his parents inadvertently left him. But God, you, you love me even though I do things that, that I know have to hurt your heart. And thank you for loving me. God, thank you that, that even though my, my parents, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, that, that you still moved and worked through them. And, and God, I want to be, be a dad to my kids like you are to me. So we can read God's word for us as, as we read the story. Let God speak to you. Take, take the principles, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools suffers harm. Take those principles and, God, how do I, how do I apply that, Lord? We know, don't we? I mean, we don't have to 
guys, we, we might be worse about this than, than uh, the ladies, but man, there's some, once guys start telling jokes, it doesn't go anywhere good from there. Okay, I got about like three, you know, this horse walks into a bar and said, ouch, no, that's not the story. But we know if we hang around certain people that it's not working. So get his word into us. The, the second one is this, get around, so not only get into God's word, but get around God's people. Be involved in a group of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ that can encourage us. And listen, I, I want those people to be people that can say, okay, so you said something the other day that I just really need to talk with you about. And no one wants to hear those conversations, do they? But we need brothers and sisters who are willing to risk that a little bit and say, so how does that work with what the Bible says? You know that joke you told the other day? And if, if someone approached me, I'd say, I know, <laughs> I'm sorry. But we, we need that. Get around God's people because he who walks with the wise becomes wise. We, we want to be with a group of people that can help us. Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon talks about if one is by himself and he falls, there's no one to help him up. But if he has someone with him, it can help him. And, you know, two strand cord is not or or, or two is good you get a good return for your money but a three-strand cord is not easily broken what he's saying is there's there's strength in a group get around god's people that can help you to grow that there are times i promise you that in our walk with christ we might not be able to walk at all And, and this may happen and if that that happens with a group that you're in Here's the idea that someone can stand on that side and someone can stand on that side. And even if I can't walk at all, they can carry me. That's what we need. Get around God's people. Here's the last one. Get about God's business. I, I love the way that Jesus puts this. And, and I believe as tenderly as a 12-year-old boy can say anything, but this is Jesus. I believe Jesus said this in a very tender way to his mom. why were you looking for me i i was in my father's house i I looked at the greek for that and that word house really has more to do with affairs what he was saying was i was doing god's work i was about god's business why why would it be a surprise and and if we want to be like jesus we need to be serving somewhere somehow in the church here's here's a cool thing what if we got up every morning and said god would you show me how i can be about your business today whether you're a mechanic your doctor your lawyer whatever it is you do that that if if everyone got up now you expect a pastor to do that if i'm not doing that (laughs) i'm in trouble and you're in trouble too but we all should do this that every day we should get up and say god can you show me today how to be about your business I want to get about your business. Lord, show me where you're working and let me jump in. Help me to be about your business. And and that's what Jesus is saying there. If we can do those three things, if we can get into God's word, if we can get around God's people, and if we can get about God's business, listen, I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to take his word and he's going to work in our hearts. He's going to change us. And, And wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be awesome if God did that in such a way in our church that people around us would say, 
I need to talk with you. No one likes to hear that, especially ladies. If you do that to your husbands, he's going to be tortured till you talk to him. You just do it. We need to talk. But I need to talk with you. You've got something in your life that I'm missing. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be neat if we were known as that as a church? They're not perfect, but man, they've got something that I need. That would be great. So I'm going to ask you to do two things today as we head into a time of invitation and response. The first one is this. Just ask the Holy Spirit to just do a check of your heart. Here's, here's, here's kind of how I see this working, that we say, God, am I, am I really more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? God, am I being changed? Am I being transformed? Ask yourself, am I, am I different today than I was last week? Am I growing? You might have to go back further. Am I different last month? If you're like me, boy, there are times where I have to go back to when I met the Lord in 1982. I just need to do that. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we need to just take a look back. But the point is, am I growing? Am I changing? If you want to get really brave, ask somebody else, someone you trust. Hey, can you see Jesus working in my life? Am I changing? Am I becoming more like him? I know. I can hear the heartbeats right now. I don't want to do that. Do, do, do someone that you trust. Um, but in this time of invitation and response, just, just ask yourself and ask God, am I being changed? If the answer is no, then, then ask God, Lord, what is it about my walk that needs to change? Do I need to get into your, your work more? Have I been slacking on that? <laughs> you never can get in too much, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that person, they're a terrible Christian. All they do is read their Bible. I've never heard that in my life. Now, they whack people over the head with it, maybe, but we don't want to do that. God, what's, what's, so what's wrong? Am, am I not getting into your word enough? When you turn the lights out, you know it's like time. Um, God, what is it about my walk? Do, do I need to get a group of people? We have Bible studies that meet here, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. We have connection group that's met continually through all this. So we're going to start some more. If you can't find a group, make a group. Just do it. God, whatever it is in me, would you just bring that to light so I can confess it, that I can i can be about that let me let me pray uh for you this morning and and i just ask that you just respond to the holy spirit however he's spoken to your heart and and just allow god to work maybe your prayer is this like god do the work in my heart that only you can do let me pray for you lord thank you for your love for us thank you for the way that you pursue relationship with us and god is individuals Lord, would you speak to our hearts as, as we ask ourselves that question and ask you to speak to us? Um, am I becoming more like Jesus? And, and if not, what is it in my walk that needs to change?
Do I need to, to spend more time in your word? Do I need to get more serious about that? Do I need to have a, a group of people that, that I need to get with, get with your people more? Do I need to, to get about being, being about your business, serving you? And Holy Spirit, would you give us the courage and the boldness not only to ask the question, but to act on it? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the way that you move and work in us. We ask that you would change us in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.